Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. This year, the 25th anniversary of the monumental Stand in the Gap event in Washington, D.C. was observed. It was presented by the Promise Keepers Men's Movement. Ken Harrison has been overseeing the reboot of the organization and offered some observations on a recent Meeting House program. Well, then there are comments from Mark Burrell of Defend American Liberty, bringing a reminder of the founding principles of our nation that are compatible with Scripture. And on this edition of The Intersection, it's back to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the Summer 2022 Christian Product Expo in Lexington, Kentucky. Craig Von Buzik stopped by to talk about the faith response of three biblical characters who provide inspiring and practical examples for us. Finally, from the Christian Product Expo, Ryan and Jenny Brown of The Marriage Experience shared about the importance of a marriage being built on a strong foundation and how a marriage can grow by regular application of biblical principles. You'll be hearing from that conversation ahead. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Ken Harrison serves as the chairman and CEO of the Christian men's organization Promise Keepers and visited the Meeting House recently to look back at a key event in the history of Promise Keepers, the Stand in the Gap event in Washington, D.C., which drew hundreds of thousands of men to the nation's capital in October of 1997. He pointed to the significance of it, its relationship to the current work of PK, and the recently released documentary film commemorating the event. Here now from a recent Meeting House conversation is Ken Harrison. Bob, I'm thinking we, we have to let it, give a moment because you just freaked a whole bunch of men out when you told them it was 25 years ago. Because, <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> you're like, that was 10 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 20, I mean, when you yeah, stop and think, absolutely. We, we put out this documentary, and it, it actually, um, I had a hard time keeping the tears out of my eyes as I watched it. And we just released it last week. It's very, very well done. And the cap, so we, since Santa the Gap occurred, there was no registration, so we, there were no numbers kept. But now there have been people who have done a computer uh, thing. They can, it can look at all the photos and everything else. And the estimate is 1.4 million men. Mm. Um, that makes it the biggest gathering in the history of Washington, D.C. And the couple of things that are amazing about that, we tell some of the stories in the documentary, which people can get just by going to promisekeepers.org. It's free. It's an hour long, and it's very entertaining. But um, the, one of the things is that whenever a group gets together at the mall, there's all these things you have to sign because of the amount of trash that's left behind, I mean, tons of it, and the cleanup and everything. When the men left Stand the Gap, the biggest his- gathering in history, there was not a gum wrapper left on the ground. They left the place vastly cleaner than they found it when they got there. And then that's such a great testament to the people of God. And another thing is that for several hours during Stand the Gap, there were no radio calls and the police talk about how they actually were well, what's wrong. And they were calling into the station, like what's happening. And they're like, <laughs> there's no crime. There are no, there's nothing going on because so many of men were at stand of the gap worshiping Christ. It would have, what an amazing Testament to the power of Christ through, through men. What do you attribute the, not only the attendance as far as just the numbers, but also the experience of what men were taking part in 
that day and how men were moved and their lives changed. What do you, I mean, obviously it was a hand of God, but what do you attribute that to as far as the, the circumstances leading up to stand in the gap and really the, the na- I guess you might say the national condition that we were in at that particular time in October of 1997? Yeah, you know, I think men want to be a part of something that matters. And I mean, that's why college football, pro football is such a big thing. And people say, you know, when the Pittsburgh Steelers win, they wear their jersey and they're running saying, we won. Well, you know, we didn't do anything. We have the guys on the field won. <laughs> but we feel like we're a part of something, right? And you think about the power of football in the United States for soccer and in the rest of the world. It's men wanting to belong to something. They want to identify with something. And so I think Promise Keepers gave men that feeling of a real authentic Christian movement for which they could be a part and identify and bring their sons and say, this is who we are. And I think now we're bringing it back in a different sort of way. Uh, When God called me to do this and people have ever heard my other interviews, there's some really supernatural ways that God brought me into this because I never thought I'd be running promise keepers. But I thought, well, I guess we're supposed to go back into these big events. And we did have a really successful one that you and I have talked about at Dallas Cowboy Stadium last year. But that's not the point of this iteration of Promise Keepers. What we're realizing is that because of technology, through an app that people can get on the App Store, we have 50,000 men on that app, and it's just launching. And the usage is extremely high. The conversations we're having, there's a couple hundred thousand conversation strings going over, people discipling each other and helping each other. And then on there, you get content like we did the uh, sexual integrity event last May. We had 250,000 people watch that live, not including running it on several TV networks. We don't know what those numbers were. But then we had 5,000 men go through an intensive 30-day challenge to be freed from pornography. And the letters we got were amazing because men, what we realize with Promise Keepers is that there's a, a massive lack right now of men speaking to men like men. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you fell down, get up, stop your crying, throw some dirt on it, let's go. And, and we need that in our society because the coddling has gotten to be out of hand. Sometimes coddling is necessary. But, but the running around and blaming my dad for everything and being a victim, sometimes you got to say, dude, act like a man, get in scripture, your kids are counting on you, your wife is counting on you. And so we're, we're giving people genuine, real content and real conversation, man to man on, on all that. Ken Harrison here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to promisekeepers.org. Up next, it's the founder of Defend American Liberty, Mark Burrell. In a recent conversation, he discussed the biblical influence on the founders of the United States, a subject he explores in the book entitled Rediscovering the American Covenant, Roadmap to Restore America. Here now from that conversation is Mark Burrell. I try and simplify it down to seven principles, and I'll run through them quickly. The first one is that government is established by a mutual covenant. And that's what happened when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments and basically said, hey, God says if we follow this, he'll, he'll bless us, and if we don't, he'll judge us. Are we in? And they all responded, we will do what, uh, what he asks, and that's in Exodus uh, 19 and, and 20. So that's the first principle. The second one is to embrace the moral law as the legal standard. So that just sim- simply means that you need some kind of standard for lawmaking, and, uh, and the whole point of holding up the moral law is to say that, well, this is going to be our standard. And the ones that I'm referring to primarily that apply to America are the ones that are in the latter six commandments. 
And so mm-hmm. embracing the moral law is the second principle. The third principle is that legitimate rights must conform to the moral law. So this is where the right to life issue comes up, uh, because you, you can't say on one hand that uh, a woman has a right to abort her child when the child has a right to life. And I know your mm-hmm. audience understands that. I'm just mm-hmm. using that as a very clear understanding of uh, a legitimate right has to be in harmony with a moral law. Number four is that you're to elect or appoint representatives who promise to govern uh, per the moral law. So this is the consent of the governed. And the idea is that if you're electing them, that, that they will govern in a way that's in harmony with God's moral law. Fifth is the one that people are more familiar with. It's that laws are should be enforced equally where the punishment matches the level of the crime. So this is where the term eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, uh, that's just describing this idea that the punishment should match the level of the crime. Number six, liberty should be extended to all. This is, uh, this is what made the American founding different. Abraham Lincoln, in his Gettysburg Address, said that we were conceived in liberty. And, and liberty is really the difference here. And, and the First and Second Amendment protect our religious and civil liberties. So, so that's the sixth one. And then the last one, the seventh one, is that the community needs to be educated. And, of course, there are lots of, of verses where Moses instructs the people of, of Israel to, to teach these things to their children and their children's children so that they would not forget them. And that, of course, is true here. And this is, of course, where we have not done a very good job in America because so many people have forgotten these principles. So those are the seven, and, uh, and they're the, the principles that any nation can follow. This is really the point of the book. Any nation can follow these principles, and if they do so, just like in Proverbs where we learn about how to raise your children or manage your finances, you know, God will generally bless you. Share with me what you see are some of the the elements that you just laid out that God laid out really in the Old Testament for uh, a system of government that was consistent with his principles. How were the founders, as you see it, inspired to incorporate that into this, well, as it's been called, the American experiment? What I focus on is the Declaration of Independence, which really is our national founding covenant. It's the most important founding document that we have. The Constitution is very important as well, but the Constitution is just the how. And remember, Hmm. the Constitution was version 2.0. Right when the Declaration was signed, we had our Articles of Confederation that were drafted and finally adopted, and and it turned out that they didn't work so well. But the articles in the Constitution are are merely the how, the structure. It's the declaration that's critical because what they did is they acknowledged God throughout the document in four important ways. And so the first way they did this was they acknowledged God and his moral law. And they did that in the opening paragraph when they said law of nature and of nature is God. I I have a lot of quotes in the book, uh, Bob, and what I try and do is uh, first explain the biblical principle and then use the quotes to help understand how they apply the biblical principle. That's one of the things that's different about this book. And, and so I got the quotes in there to talk about that phrase, because it's not a phrase we use a lot. And uh, it's hard to know exactly what it means until you, you know, look at what they said. The second thing they did is they committed. They committed to attempt to govern in a way that honored him. 
And they did that in the last paragraph when they were appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of their intentions. Uh, and, th- and they were also doing the third thing, which is appealing to God. And then the last thing is that you declare it. Mark Burrell here on The Intersection. You can learn more by going to the website defendamericanliberty.com. Well, this is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or through the programming section at faithradio.org. Through The Meeting House homepage, you can access the Media Center. That is the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast and The Meeting House radio program. There are also links to the intersection to the Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. You can also connect to video content, and there are two blogs that are accessible. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and other podcast platforms. Moving on now on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, Craig Von Busek, who serves as a digital content director for Focus on the Family in a conversation at the Summer 2022 Christian Product Expo in Lexington, Kentucky, discussed the components of a faith principle expressed in the lives of three biblical characters on which he elaborates in the book, Walking in Faith, the Peter, Paul, and Mary Principle. Here now from that conversation is Craig Von Buzek. This is what happens in our lives. God intervenes in our life. We recognize finally that it's him. He brings his peace. And then we have to decide, am I going to do what God's calling me to do? Or am I going to stay in the safety of this boat and not see this amazing miracle? But Peter decides, I'm going to do what Jesus says. Now, again, it's all spirit soul to this point. But at that point, it comes into the natural realm. Peter had to take his natural physical foot (laughs) and lift it up over the side of that wooden boat onto that watery water that was being blown around by this storm. But when he acted on that, right, James says faith without works is dead, but faith with works brings activity. So when Peter acted on that, the grace of God came on the scene. So God's word, his promise and call to Peter combined with Peter's decision and faith and then action brings grace on the scene and the miracle of walking on the water took place. That's the Peter, Paul and Mary principle. And so I saw that in the situation with Saul on the road to Damascus. Uh-huh. But Peter, Saul, and Mary, it's, it's not as catchy. No, so, no, yeah. absolutely. That, that works a lot better with yeah, Peter, so Paul, we and cha- Mary. We allowed a, a little literary yeah. license to say Peter, Paul, and well, Mary. Well, he became Paul. He that was the end Paul, result, so you're so good. So it's an you're end good. result, exactly. Okay. Uh, where, you know, this is God. Once again, Jesus shows up. Paul isn't looking. Saul is not looking for God. He's going to persecute Christians. But Jesus shows up. He initiated the communication. What happened? Saul was afraid, right? Mm -hmm. He fell to the ground. Who are you, Lord, right? And Jesus brought his peace by saying, it is I. And then Jesus tells him, 
I want you to go to the street called Straight. He calls him to a higher level because he's going to say through Ananias that he is called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And then Saul, up to this point, spirit soul, right? But at this point, he has to make a decision. Okay. And he decides to tell his friends, hey, take me in. He can't see, so he has to be led there. He goes there, Ananias shows up, prays for him, and the miracle of the scales coming off of his eyes and the call to be an apostle took place. With Mary, it's the same thing. Uh, Gabriel shows up. You know, God initiated the communication. God initiated the communication. So, but that's so key. It to is think so about key. That. It yeah. really is because it puts God in its rightful place yeah. in the whole thing. Mary is filled with concern. What is this talking about? Uh, she was a woman of faith, but she still had concern, which is right. another lesson. You know, we can have concern, but then God brings his peace. Gabriel said, peace be unto you. And then God calls her to this higher level of carrying the Christ child. Again, all spirit, soul. Now Mary has to make her decision and then act on that. Act, yeah. She decides to be obedient. And then she says the absolute, some of the most amazing words in the whole Bible, be it unto me according to your word. And when that happened, we don't know when, but at some point the miracle took place. The word of God mixed with the faith and the corresponding action brings the grace of God on the scene and the miracle takes place. And so I said, well, Lord, this is really interesting, but what does this have to do with me? What does it have to do today? And I felt like the Lord said, look at your salvation experience. I overlaid it and it was exact. God initiates the communication. At first, like Lewis, we might be filled with concern. Is this the devil? Is it just my own thinking? Am I going nuts here? Am I hearing voices? Is this Buddha, Krishna? What is this? And then God brings his peace, which for all of us, as we come to Jesus in our salvation experience, it's the peace of God. The Bible says it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so it's that peaceful uh, sense that God is a part of this. But we still, like Billy Graham would say so many times, now you have to make the decision, right? That was the name of their magazine, Decision, decision Magazine. magazine because That's right. So it has to go from God saying, I'm calling you to this higher level of a relationship with me. Then you have to make a decision. And then Billy Graham would say, confess with your mouth and then come down and the And you get up, come down. Right. Your friends will wait. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you got it down. How many yeah. times did we come, see that? Yeah. Come down just as I, Q, just, just as I am. Just as I am. But there's such a powerful principle. Yeah. There. Yeah. We can't, it can't just be a belief. The Bible says the demons believe and they tremble. But it has to be a belief with that corresponding action. Craig Von Busek here on this edition of the Intersection Podcast. His website address is Von Busek, that's B-O-N-B-U-S-E-C-K dot com. Finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, from the Christian Product Expo Summer 2022 event in Lexington, Kentucky, the founders of the Marriage Experience Ministry, Ryan and Jenny Brown, discussed the importance of couples communicating regularly, a concept that inspired the book which offers practical instruction called The Marriage Experience, weekly conversation starters to build the relationship you desire. Here now from that conversation are Ryan and Jenny Brown. Ryan, let me go to you and just ask as you began to think about how you might be able to share this. You were in a situation as you talked about that you were seeing marriages 
that were not lasting. They were not being sustained. Couples were breaking up. They were getting divorces. That was taking place. So there was something that was unsustainable about these marriages in the, the states that they were in. So as you looked around and began to consider what you could share with these couples as well as other couples to make their marriage stronger, what did you want to put into the, the mix, if yeah. you will? So I think uh, having been in pastoral ministry for almost 10 years now, we found so often that when couples recognized that they needed help, it was very, very close to the end. Mm. So very reactive. And we felt it was really important to offer a proactive measure, an enrichment measure, so that people would have something to help them along the way. And what we noticed that was one of the most crucial things to our marriage thriving and growing was intentional communication. So many couples are thrown into marriage and they don't have the tools. They have not flexed communication muscles. And things happen. You, you move, you get a new job, you have kids. Life happens so quickly that you've not flexed any communication muscles. So we wanted to offer a tool to facilitate communication and conversation and to create a regular rhythm of communication and habits so that couples would, would be equipped right away. And even now, you know, having, having started ours a good 12 years into our marriage, it's just there's been an exponential growth in our marriage in the last six years because of intentional, hmm. regular communication. Well, I like that. I'm, I'm thinking in my mind the RRC, the regular rhythm of communication. So, Jenny, how do you see that, that couples can actually develop that regular rhythm? Well, it, you have to start somewhere. And yeah. I think first is to get the thought that communication is um, a necessary evil or is... It's not you putting yourself in a room with a spouse and hashing out all the hard things until one of you comes out crying and the other one is battered and broken. That's not what communication is. Um, so it's, it's starting with that in mind, like getting rid of old stigma of what communication can look like and start just starting somewhere. I think the thing that's so nice about this book is whether you just got married or you're planning on getting married or you've been married 30 years, um, this picks up wherever you are. So we just give you the tools. Um, like, like Ryan said, many of us, we don't, we don't see necessarily the communication happening between the marriage and our homes. Um, so we don't know how to do that. It's not really something that's taught, yet it is in the heart of a lot of issues that marriages go through. Financial issues, many of that stem from a lack of communication. Mm. Sexual intimacy issues, many of that stems from a lack of communication. So this is just getting the conversation started and then based on where you are in your own marriage, you get to then take it and, and use it appropriately and accordingly. Well, it seems to me that this communication, this regular rhythm, you hear so much about conflict resolution. You just laid out some of the different areas where people experience conflict. If you're trying to walk as one, we've been called a one flesh relationship. If we're trying to walk in that way, when there is conflict, when there's a difference of some sort, having those channels of communication open, it seems like really helps to facilitate that oneness. Whereas if you, you know, allow a conflict to fester, then that can be very destructive. Brian, your thoughts? I, I often say that no one drifts towards good things. You have, hmm. to, be, you have to be intentional. And so you're, if you get off kilter and you don't correct, you don't reorient, 
um, the, the relationship will just continue to drift. I think, I think we see it um, most plainly in our relationships to God through Jesus. You know, we don't drift towards a better relationship with Jesus. And so what's essential and crucial to having a vibrant relationship with Jesus? Communi- communicating with him. Prayer. Yeah. And the same thing's true in our most important earthly relationship. And so um, it's, it's got to be intentional. And yet so many, so many spouses, if you say, when's the last time you had an intentional uh, conversation with your spouse about your marriage? They, they would probably scratch their head and say, I don't, I don't know. Ryan and Jenny Brown here on The Intersection. You can find them online at the-marriage-experience.com. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. Through that Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. You can find links to The Intersection Podcast to the Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. And you can find links to video content, including recently added content to the Faith Radio YouTube channel from the Christian Product Expo Summer 2022 show in Lexington, Kentucky. Also through the Meeting House homepage, you can find links to two... Also through the Meeting House homepage, you can find links to two blogs. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And there's The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.